Welcome, everybody, once more in the overflow. God bless you all. We love you so much. Thank you for being a part of worship today. Perry, Oklahoma, Pastor Brian, Brandon Armstrong, we love you guys so much. Thank you for, uh, for uniting your hearts and spirits with us. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. If you haven't heard yet, our, our church is having a, a married prom. I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, I did prom in high school. Uh, but the, uh, some of those are, are memories best left behind. Uh, I'm excited about doing a, a prom right with the right girl. You understand? I, I got the right girl. Been married for 25 years. We've waited a long time for this prom, people. Uh, <laughs> excited. Uh, good thing about going to prom with your wife, there's no curfew. <laughs> I, 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 we'll still go to bed at 9.30, but there's no curfew. Uh, I, uh, I found my my tuxedo jacket yes sir you do not have to wear a tuxedo to this prom and when you see my tuxedo you'll you, you won't feel underdressed I promise but uh, it's sky blue <laughs> sky blue with with black lapels and, and if I'm looking for the ruffle shirt this week if I can find the ruffle shirt uh, I'm, I'm gonna be a super bad I, I, I can't wait um, I love our church. I know some people think a Baptist church, can you have a prom? Are y'all actually going to dance? Yeah, you, you probably won't call it dancing after you see us bust a move. But, uh, but yeah, we're going to have fun like that. And, and I love that. I love just about everything about being in this church. If I weren't your pastor, I would choose this church out of a million uh, just for the, uh, the joy of, of being in your lives and, and being your friend. I, I love you all so much. Um, However, today is one of those moments when I want to bring us back to what really matters as a church. Sometimes as a church, as a growing and active and busy church, we have so many things going on, so many things that we can pour our energies into. We forget the gospel. We forget the reason for which Christ died and the reason for which he left us here on earth. It, it is the gospel, and I want to bring you back to that. I think there's a spot in your order of worship. If there's not, find something you can ride on. I want you to take out a piece of paper right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. And I want you to write one simple question, and I want you to come up with an answer by the time the service is over today or begin your answer. Just write this and start thinking. You're going to think it's too simple a question and maybe not even worth thinking about, but this is worth thinking about because it's going to get to the heart, to the way you live your life as a Christian. So I want you to write this question and be ready to answer it. Why am I a Christian? Now, I'm not assuming that all of you are. I'm not assuming that all of you are. If you're not, your question should be, why am I not a Christian? Honestly. But I want you to deal with that question. Why am I a Christian? It is the question that I, that I want to answer with this passage. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Ephesians 2 verse 1 if you've never been clear on what it means to be a Christian uh, listen to this passage this makes it clear Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 once you were dead once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way 
following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, who is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For God raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as an example of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Would you please spread the word on that? Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Stop right there. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. Very recently, there was an article, I believe it's the Denver Post, by a reporter named Sam DeLeo. Sam is not a scientist, and this wasn't a scientific study, but, but he was just interested in how much you can know about a person by looking at where they hang out. How much can you learn about a person by paying attention to where they hang out? Apparently in Denver, there are a number of night spots, hot spots that are very particular to special groups. So, for example, he would go to the local cowboy bar, you know, like an urban cowboy, cowgirl kind of thing. It's called the Stampede in Denver. He went to the Stampede, and you walk in the Stampede, and everybody is dressed the part. They're dressed like cowboys and cowgirls. This is one of those, you know, need more cowbell kind of places in the middle of the city. Uh, people wearing Wrangler jeans. Everybody's wearing boots and, and, and big hats. And, but the thing is, when Sam DeLeo, the reporter, walked into the stampede and he would interview the customers, he would just walk up to one, pull a girl aside. She's got Wrangler jeans, you know, and cowboy boots and, and a giant belt buckle and a 10-gallon hat. And he would ask her, are you a cowgirl? And she would say, no, 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 no. Interesting. Because he'd do the same thing. He would go to the local hippie bar. You know, hippies, they hang out too. Went to a place where hippies hang out. Hippies are kind of left over, you know, from the 60s, although they're, they're still crawling around. Uh, long hair, beards, you know, no shower, tie-dyed shirts, you know, jeans, you know, th th that whole kind of scene and Grateful Dead music pumping. And everybody in the hippie place, they look exactly the same. They're, they're all, even the women, beards, you know, you know long hair. But he'd walk up to people in the hippie hangout and he would say, are you a hippie? And what do you think they would say? No, no, no. See, it's, it's fascinating. No matter where he went, no matter what the hangout was, 
You would find people who were in this tribe or in this group of people, and they all dressed the same, and they talked the same, and they hung out in the very same way, but none of them would take that label. None of them would say, yes, I happen to be a hippie. I, I am an urban cowboy. Nobody, nobody would, would say that. Nobody would accept that label for themselves. Went to one of those fancy coffee shops. I think it's called Bardo Coffee in Denver. And, and in there, you know, everybody's wearing skinny jeans and, and, and a laptop. And, and they have those big fake plastic glasses on that, that they look really hip, that they call themselves hipsters. And, and so he would go into the hipster coffee shop and he would talk to the people and he would ask him, are you a hipster? And they would all say, no, 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 I'm not. I, I'm not. A hipster, that just kind of begged the question, what are you and what are you doing here? You know, what are you if you're not what you look like, if you're not with the people that you hang out with all the time? Well, what in the world are you? Why are you here? There's a hip-hop place called the Funky Buddha in Denver. And in this place, all the people are all hip-hop. You understand? Just hip-hop heads. And it's hip-hop music and hip-hop dress and hip-hop everything. But same thing. If you pull one of those people aside and say, are are, are you a hip-hop head? They would say, no. No. It just makes me wonder how that applies to church. Makes me wonder if that same principle does somehow apply at church. What's the principle? I don't know what the principle is. Maybe in our day and age, you could just simply say, all kinds of people hang out in all kinds of places for all kinds of reasons. Maybe that's the only thing you learn from Sam DeLeo's article. People don't necessarily identify with the group, even if they're there and they talk like them and look like them and dress like them and hang out with them. Maybe still there are other reasons why they're there. All kinds of people go to all kinds of places for all kinds of reasons, which just makes me want to ask you, what are you and why are you here? It's not intended to be a sarcastic or rude question. Honestly, I think it's one of the most important questions I could ever ask you or you could ask me. If all kinds of people go to all kinds of places for all kinds of reasons, then there are probably all kinds of people here this morning for all kinds of reasons. I don't necessarily assume that you're all Christians. I'm not saying anything ugly or insulting. I'm just saying I don't necessarily assume that because it's not necessarily true. I know ministers, I know ministers who preach in pulpits just like I do, but they don't call themselves Christians. You understand? This is the world we live in. All kinds of people also go into ministry. So it's not even necessarily um, something you can assume that, that someone who's wearing a, a, a minister's robe or someone who's standing in a pulpit is, is necessarily a, a Christian. You just can't assume that just because of where we are. We're all in church together. What are you? And why are you here? Maybe it's a good time after 16 years to to, to make something very clear. If it's not clear already, I am a Christian. I, I am a Christian. Sometimes as a minister, I feel like people don't necessarily take that seriously. People know that I'm paid to speak for Christ. They know that I'm paid in one way or another to, to carry this book. They know that I'm paid to represent the church. And, and so sometimes I feel like people don't take seriously the fact that, that I am a Christian. I, 
I love Jesus. Whether I'm in a pulpit or not in a pulpit, this is just who I am. When I found Christ, I was six years old and a long, long way from ever becoming a pastor. And I spent a number of years living a Christian life, living the Christian life, not being a pastor. So understand, being a pastor is, is honestly beside the point. I'm a Christian first. I'm just a Christian. I was talking to a friend recently who's not a Christian. He, he's a dear friend of mine. I love him so much. I was talking to him about my faith, and he's Muslim. I was just trying to explain to him uh, who Jesus is to me and, and what he's done in my life. And my friend said, uh, Tim, I suppose if I were born in the United States, I would be Christian. Well, he wasn't dismissing me. He meant that. He, he meant that. He was just thinking, you know, I was born in my country, and so I have the religion of all of my people. But if I were born in the United States like you, I would probably be a Christian like you. So honestly, it started me thinking, is that why I'm a Christian? I mean, he's, he's Muslim because his family's Muslim. Am I Christian because my family's Christian? I was raised in a Christian family. I, I, was, I was born on a Sunday night, March 7th, 1965. It was a Sunday night, so my mother was sitting in church when her water broke. And so she left church, and so the whole church just went with her. It was a small church. And so literally I was born in Sunday night church, and, and I probably never missed Sunday night church or Sunday morning or, or Wednesday night either for my whole, whole life. I was raised uh, to, to know the Bible and raised to know Jesus. But honestly, the fact that I was raised in a Christian family, the fact that I've always gone to church, that might explain why I go to church. Are you with me? It might explain why I have the cultural habit of going to church. Because some of you are in this situation. You continue to go to church because you were taught to go to church. But that doesn't make you a Christian. And this is what I'm trying to distinguish. The fact that I was raised and trained to go to church explains that part. But it does not explain what Christ means to me. That This is different. It's very different. If I started asking, answering the question, why am I a Christian? I think the first thing I have to say is because of, of, of God's presence. All my life, I have just um, really felt his presence in church, but, but not only in, in church. I've just always had this, this just natural sense that uh, I was in his presence, that God was, was, was with me in, in his voice. God, God speaks to me. I don't hear a voice out loud. I know there's medication for that. I, I don't hear that kind of voice, but, um, but I feel guided in, in my life. Um, I, I pray, and it, it's, it's like something I, I don't even turn off and, and on. I, I have an ongoing conversation with with, with the, the maker, and I don't ever remember not having that. This may not be your experience. I'm just telling you who I am and, and why I'm a, a Christian. 
it's just God's presence. And when I say that, it doesn't mean I always feel God's presence because sometimes I don't. Sometimes I don't. But when I don't feel God's presence, there is just this crater. You know what I'm saying? There's just this crater in my heart, in my life, and I long for him. It's like if there's someone who's dear to you who leaves and you miss them. You know, when, when I don't feel God's presence, I, I, I long for him. I, I, I miss him. So the fact that I was raised to go to church, that doesn't explain that. I'm just saying that God is real, very real. And you can't train that into a child or, or teach that to somebody. They just have to know God. So if you ask me why I'm a Christian, the first thing I have to say, it's, 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 it's because of God. But then you could say, when, when a Tim, that may explain why you believe in God, but it doesn't explain why you believe in Jesus. Because there are a lot of people who could say what I just said. There are new age people, for example, who practice meditation or practice habits of prayer. And they say that they feel a divine presence and they may hear God's voice as well. But they're not Christians. There may be lots of people in the world who, who claim to have an experience with the divine, but it's not necessarily Christian in nature. So even saying everything I've said about God's presence and God's voice, that doesn't necessarily explain why I run to Christ. Why do I run to Christ? In my experience in, in prayer, in my experience in, in, in opening myself to God, why has this led me to Christ? And I'm telling you, these answers for me are found in, in the scriptures. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. This is why I'm a Christian. It starts with my sin. My sin. My everyday life is a constant reminder that I need to be saved. Now, I am saved. I'm not saying that I need to get saved every day. I'm just telling you that the reality of sin in my life is a constant reminder to me of why I need a Savior. I have a sin problem, and so do you. This is what makes us all the same. Now, for all of the ways that people in the world are different, for all of the ways that, that the world religions are alike and different, this is the one thing that unites us as human beings. We all sin. We all have this disobedient streak. We all live in the presence of a loving and, and just God. We live in the middle of his creation. And the book of Romans says that there is so much of God all around us that nobody has an excuse. Nobody can look at the world. Nobody can live life and come away and say there's no God. There's no excuse because there's enough of God all around. Romans makes that clear. But the problem is what I experience of God, what you and I experience of God, we typically turn away from that. It's just this disobedient, rebellious streak in us. And the Bible calls that sin. It's just sin. It's simply the way we are. We're born turned away from God. Parents had a four-year-old little girl. Y'all know anything about four-year-old little girls? I'm glad we had a boy. Four-year-old, her name was Shauna. She was pretty and she knew it. 
four years old, and she had this tricycle, and she was just spit on wheels. You know what I mean? She was in that tricycle, and Mama would look out the picture window, and Shauna would go down the driveway, which was the only place she was allowed to ride. She'd go down the driveway, and then she'd make a right turn on the sidewalk and just bust it out through the neighborhood. Four years old. Mama kept saying, Shauna, you may only go to the trees at the end of the driveway. You may not go to the sidewalk. You're not allowed to turn left or right. You stay off the sidewalk. You cannot get out of our driveway. But every day she'd look out the window, the picture window, she'd be going down the, down the driveway. She'd make a right-hand turn and just bust it down the neighborhood. So one day mama came out. I said, Shauna, I'm telling you one more time. This is the driveway. Do you see those trees at the end of the driveway? You are not allowed to go one inch past those trees. If I see you go down that sidewalk one more time, I will come out here and there will be a spanking. I will spank you if you go down that sidewalk one more time. You know what Shauna said? She stuck her hip out and pointed to it and said, Mama, you might as well spank it now because I got places to go. No, she didn't. Yes, she did. Spank it right now because I got places to go. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, four. And that's just like you. Do you understand? Do you see yourself in that? That's just like you and me. We're born that way. Now, I'm not saying that you're a bank robber. I'm not saying that you're a drug dealer. You probably think of yourself as a very good, a very fine person, and maybe your neighbors think of you that way. But I'm telling you, it's beside the point. God knows what you really are, and deep down inside, surely you know what you really are. When it comes to the things that you like, when it comes to the things that you want, it doesn't matter to you what God says. You're just saying, you know, God, just let the spanking happen right now because i got places to go. We have this rebellious nature. There is this tendency in all of us to turn away from what we know of God. Now, not many of us are Bible scholars. Not many of us know a whole lot about the Bible or, or about anything. But you know enough of what God wants from you to turn away from it. And that's what you've done. That's what we all do. The Bible calls that sin. It's not only the things that you do. The things that you do are reflections, expressions of that sinful nature inside. Do you understand? So sin is not so much the things you do. It's more what you are. We're all sinners. Brother Tim, I just don't relate to that. I don't relate to that. You're in here you know, trying to make us feel all guilty, and I don't feel guilty. Actually, I feel pretty good about myself. I feel confident. I feel kind and important. And I get it. I understand. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. But deep down inside, you know something's wrong. Maybe... You've never known what to call it, but deep down inside, you know something's wrong. It's like there's this switch down deep inside of you that's just never been turned on. There's something not right, and you know this. You know it maybe in those moments when you're alone, and that way you can't stand being alone. You know what I mean? Or maybe it's the way even when you're with people, you still feel very, very lonely. See, I'm talking about that. There's something 
broken, that there's something wrong in you. Maybe it has something to do with the way you can't ever trust people. Maybe it's got something to do with the way that you just can't ever forgive people. Forgive people. If you don't experience it any other time, you experience it in the way you get up every morning and go through the motions of life and you're just so bored. Bored out of your mind. Everything is lame. Everything is boring. Maybe that's got something to do with it. Maybe it's got something to do with the way that no matter what you expect in life, nothing ever measures up to expectations. It's never as good as it ought to be. It's never as good as you want it to be. It's got something to do with the way you're so critical of other people. The way deep down inside you you have a really hard time believing that other people are what they seem to be. It's it's like the switch down inside of you that's never been turned on. When the Bible speaks about that, it just simply says a very plain thing. Once you were dead. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. I'm not talking about something that I just know by reading the Bible. I'm talking about something that I know. I know about sin because I am a sinner. And my everyday life is a constant reminder to me that I need a Savior. I need someone who can reach down inside of me and and turn that switch on, to to take what's dead in me and, and bring it to life. I am a person who has struggled a lot with guilt. I feel guilty about things I've never even done. You understand? I do guilt better than anybody you will ever, ever meet. And that horrible sense of guilt that I have lived with in the past in my life, it is a reminder to me that I need someone who can forgive me. Someone who can once and for all take that burden of guilt and shame off of me so that I don't have to live my life continuing to try to earn something. I just need a Savior. And you do too. You need that too. So my sin is one of the first reasons I would say that I run to Christ. I run to Christ because of my sin and because of what the Bible describes here in Ephesians chapter 2. All of us used to live that way, verse 3, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, God's wrath, just like everyone else. I can talk about that too. Now, I said that I was raised in church, and I was. I I was. I've always been a a good boy, a a, a nice guy. But I want you to know that that in those years, as I was growing to, to recognize God's voice and growing in his presence, one of my first experiences, my really strong experiences in becoming a Christian was this really horrible feeling, and that's what I, I felt first. There was a time when I was about six years old, and I know that sounds young to some of you, but I can't explain it. I'm just telling you my life. About six years old, I had always gone to church. I'd always sang. I was a little boy, so I sang like a girl. So I had a really pretty alto voice. I sang alto in the church at six years old. I knew Bible verses, and I felt so much a part of things. But at about six, I started having really awful feelings at church really awful feelings. 
It was just this heaviness. Now, the old folks would call it conviction. It's the conviction of the Spirit. That, that, that's what we used to call it. But whatever you, you want to call it, it was an awful feeling. It was a spiritual feeling. It's what I felt in God's presence. And for a time, this is all I knew in God's presence. Whenever I would try to pray, all I could feel was that there's something wrong in me. That there's something horribly wrong. And I needed to do something to make it right. But I didn't know what to do. I didn't understand. In church, I just felt awful. I just felt awful. And honestly, through the week, I felt awful. I was a little boy. But I would sometimes end up in tears, just feeling wrong and honestly feeling lost. I felt this separation from God, and I didn't know what to do about it. It was strange to me. I just felt this sense of God being far away and me being down here, and I had no way to bridge that gap. All of us. Subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Verse 4, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. I love it. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed finally at that point in my life again I was so young but but still I I felt so awful I I went to my dad I talked to my mom I said what's wrong what's wrong with me why do I feel this way my parents shared the gospel with Not once, not twice, not three times, but nearly every day of my life, they kept pointing me back to Jesus. Did you understand? I was a sinner. Yes, I was raised in church, but I felt that sense of being under God's anger. I felt that separation. It didn't matter how many hymns I knew by heart. It didn't matter how many Bible verses I had memorized. You understand? I still had a sin problem that was going to continue to condemn me until I turned and found an answer to that. And the only answer that there is for the sin problem of the human race is the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. It's grace. It's grace. If my sin's the first thing that leads me to Jesus, I'm telling you the second and the most important thing is God's grace. God's grace. Simply to hear the good news that, Tim, you are separated from God because of your sins. But if you will call upon the name of Jesus, if you will call upon the name of God's Son, the only begotten Son, that God in his love sent down to the world so that everyone who believed might have life through him. If you would turn your life over to him, then Tim, you can be forgiven. Forgiven. It's grace. It's grace. It wasn't a message that, Tim, if you'll continue to go to church every time the door is open for the rest of your life, then maybe when you get to heaven, you'll find out that you're a Christian. That's not the good news. It's not that, Tim, if you'll continue to be a nice enough boy, if you promise not to smoke or drink or chew or go around with girls that do, then then you can be a Christian. That's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. Tim, if you will receive God's gift of grace, 
If you'll just answer yes to his offer of life, if you will let him reach down into your heart and flip that switch, bring you to life, you'll have salvation. It's it's, it's grace. It's just grace. There's nothing that you can earn. If you think that because you're a good person that somehow God won't send you to hell, this is the part you're not understanding. You're not that good a person. Already you have lied. Already you've, you've offended others. You've offended God. I'm telling you, if you were a good, perfect person from this point on, you've already sinned. Already the sentence of death is over your head. But God, who is so rich in mercy, God who loves you so much, he longs to bring you to life. It's his grace. Grace, that just means he does it because he's good, not because you're good. He's rich in mercy and love. I'm a Christian because of grace. Now, even though I was raised in church and saved at a very young age, I'm not a person for whom faith comes easy. I don't know how it feels to have your pastor say that, but, but it's not. I ask a lot of questions. And I've always struggled with a lot of doubts. That's just who I am. And there did come a point in my life when I really needed to know. I needed to search. I've looked at world religions. I've asked serious questions about the truth behind other religions. Looked at Islam. I've looked at Judaism. I've looked at Hinduism. I think I've looked at all of them. I keep running back to Jesus. Do you want to know why? Grace. There's nothing like grace in any other religion, in any other world system. My Muslim friend has no assurance of his salvation ever. It's no idea if in the end he'll go to heaven. He just thinks he can't know. I want him to know. I want him to know. You ask me why I'm a Christian? It's because of Jesus and everything he's done for me and what he does for me every single day. To be a Christian is the most magnificent thing ever. You and I sometimes look at the world and sometimes we say it out loud. We'll say, I don't know how anybody can live without Jesus. Don't know how to live without Jesus. You understand? They don't. They just don't. They're all dead. It's what the Bible says. They're just all dead. There's no life, no spiritual life in any of us until Christ gives us life. And it's only in Christ. It's not offered anywhere else. It's only one name by which we can be saved. It's the name of Jesus. I'm not bragging to you. I'm just trying to tell you the truest things in the world for me. Jesus is alive. He's real. I I talk to him. I I love him. He he makes my life worth living. I don't know how people live without him. Third thing. Third reason I'm a Christian, and this is very, very important. Verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. 
He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. It has everything to do with my sin, the reason I'm a Christian. It has everything to do with God's grace in Jesus, the reason I'm a Christian. But it also has to do with God's plan, God's magnificent plan. It's a grand plan to save the entire world. It's a grand plan to take everything broken, everything lost in this world, and one day to totally make it new. It's his awesome plan to make everything right that's wrong with the world, and I love that. But but as a part of that, it is a personal plan to make everything right that's wrong in me. It's God's plan that unfolds in my life. And and I love this. I love the way that I can look at my life more looking back than looking forward, to be honest. But when I look back, I can see how the dots connect. I can see how everything that seems to happen leads toward a purpose. And some of the things that happen are painful and, and awful. But even in those moments of my life, there's this There is this larger purpose that somehow makes things make sense. I just look at my life and I see that in every moment, God was always working and never wasting a single moment's time. It's just this grand plan. And it's what the Bible says. It's like you can think of yourself like God's masterpiece. Like God, the the great artist, and what he's working on is you. He's shaping you and turning you into something wonderful in Christ. He's turning you into something useful so that you can do his work. That's what verse 10 says. You're created, you're given life so that you can do God's work in the world. I don't know why I'm a Christian. It's something to do with God's plan and and, and my part in it, my, my place in it. And I now understand that God saved me, gave me life, not just for myself, but for the sake of the world. He wants me now to do his work. And what is his work? It's it's to bring the whole world to salvation. I have a part to play in that. You have a part to play in that. I can't accuse you of anything because I don't know you that well. I I don't know what you do all week. But I can make a general statement about our church. I don't think we're doing God's work very well. I can simply say that because Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, year after year after year, we don't see a lot of people coming to Jesus. We see some. We don't see a lot. But are there 280 people in this room right now? Overflow? What are 300 people at Woodburn Baptist Church in this service alone? If there were 300 people going out to tell others what they found in Christ and bring them to Christ. Something tells me that by next Sunday we'd start seeing some fruit of that. When's the last time you told anybody how to become a Christian? When's the last time you told anybody what Jesus means to you? Ever? Have you ever done that? Why not? It sort of brings me back to the question, why are you a Christian? 
do you know why you are a Christian? Because if you know why you're a Christian, then you would know why other people need to be Christians. You would know what their lives are missing. And I can't imagine that you and I could live our lives every day knowing that they are dead, knowing that they are condemned to an eternity in hell. I can't imagine we could live like that, knowing that the reason we're here is to do God's work, to tell him about Jesus. So what are you exactly? And why are you here? I want us to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for saving us. We thank you for delivering us from our sins. We thank you for the grace that forgives us. Though we continue to sin, Lord Jesus, we know that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord Jesus, we thank you that by your grace, we can stand before you with heads held high, knowing that we are your children. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the grace every day that lets us live with strength and peace and purpose. But Lord, help us to understand that our salvation is, is, is toward a larger purpose. Lord, that the people we work with, the people we go to school with, our, our neighbors, people around the world who do not know you, Lord, it is our privilege to carry the name of Jesus to them. Lord Jesus, teach us how to carry your name to them. We pray in your holy name. Amen.